Welcome to the show that comes to you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Holly Weird week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Glad to be back in the saddle on these MMOWs because we had the, the one where we caught up on everything, right? Right. After like two months of not that doing it. That was an it. episode. That was a huge <laughs> MMOW, and I figured that, all right, this one would be lighter. Mm-hmm. No. No. There's no. So, so much that happened this last week. We'll also, we're also going to dip into sports and politics. Yeah, oh, my God. Well, it was such a weird week because so many other spheres kind of bled into the entertainment world this mm. week and the movie world for reasons that I fully haven't comprehended yet, so I guess that's a good place as any to start. We'll dive right into the news of the week. News, 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 So like you said, Mike, we could start with the sports world. Big boxing match. Maybe the biggest boxing rematch, God, since Tyson was going? As they told us last yeah, night, they many had a times. tribute between, <laughs> you know, Holyfield and Tyson and Lennox Lewis mm-hmm. all on the same stage. Awkward hellos. <laughs> Awkward things happened between those three. Tyson had the biggest <laughs> pop by far, and the camera was just lingering on Holyfield and Lewis. And Lewis, like, had to fake a smile and start clapping as if he was, like, happy to see him. Even the intros were aw- awkward because, yeah. like, Tyson was coming out and they're focusing on him walking up to the ring. But then the everything from the announcer was for Holyfield. Right, and right. Holyfield's actually in the ring. Right. Why is it so far? Why do they have to walk so slow to the ring? It's not an Egyptian parade. What's going on? Well, Tyson Fury <laughs> would say otherwise by his intro, but I, I don't understand understand how boxing seems to get the the pageantry they always seem to minimalize it and i never under ufc has done a great job blowing it out that's mm-hmm. what fans want to see is all the ridiculousness clearly the boxers want to embrace the ridiculousness well coming from wwe and your yeah. super fandom they do it perfectly right, exactly and that's they what I'm do saying. It in so many different ways they're so versatile mm-hmm. with how they do it they'll just have a guy run out and spear somebody right at times and it's <laughs> hilarious or they, they have the huge rock music like, this was awkward and overlong yeah, I, for me compared to all that. Agree, a thousand percent. And it boggles my mind how, and this is how it's been for boxing forever. Every time I watch a big match, they never seem to get anything right about that, which blows me away. But they were really hamming it up for Fury and Wilder in particular. I was saying at the time, I was like, whoever loses is going to regret this so much. <laughs> whoever wins will double down on it and be even goofier the next time. But whoever loses is like going to come out and just do a WWE style, just sprint out to the ring next time i was expecting tyson fury to come out ridiculous because every time the camera was on him backstage mm-hmm. he was joking around he was he was not taking anything seriously he was loose he was ready to go he was out in the stands for a while yeah watching a couple I, of the other i mean fights. he was a total jokester he's on the couch just wearing chilling. crowns picking the crown like <laughs> while matches are going on and, and so i was expecting like his entrance is going to be awesome Deontay Wilder seemed dead serious. He was stretching. He was getting his hands taped early. And then he comes out in this King of the North type getup. Looking back, I wonder if he was worried. But yeah, he was He was like, like look, the costume design for Game of Thrones is not that bad. <laughs> Can I just say this much? Oh, wow. You didn't like he it, looked huh? like I a thought mortal, he looked cool. He looked cool, but like in a Mortal Kombat movie yeah. sort of way. Yeah. 
I mean, he wouldn't have fought for the humans. Maybe the king of the north was wrong. He would have fought for the night king. That side. When you see a man dressed like that in public, <laughs> you're afraid of that man. And right. I was afraid of that man. If I was Tyson Fury, I really would have been afraid of that man. <laughs> However, Tyson Fury is the biggest boxer I've ever seen. Have you ever seen a bigger boxer? Yeah. Six foot nine, 270 something? I would love to see him against a Klitschko. I mean, those would be two monsters. Those guys are enormous, yeah. but th this guy is huge. He's, he's, just, he's wide. He's just, he dwarfs. 280, Wilder. yeah. Uh, he, I mean, it was, I, I give, you know, a lot of people expect, I think Wilder was the betting favorite, too. I give Wilder credit for kind of taking the fight again because, yes, he got the knockdown in, in the first match that these guys had, but a lot of people, I guess, thought, you watched the first match. I didn't. A lot of people, I guess, said, at least they said last night, that Fury should have won the first match. So Fury dominated that whole fight, mm -hmm. but Wilder, Wilder knocked him down twice hard. Okay. It was two ugly knockdowns, in my opinion. So, to me, the split decision made good sense. I was like... Hey, I get this one. I need to see a rematch because it was, and I loved it because it was the boxer versus the puncher, mm. and we're going into this one. And I was like, all right, the boxer can box him again, but he's got to have more tricks up his sleeve. So I was thinking in my head the puncher was going to get to him in this fight. Right. That Wilder was going to win, and I was not thinking it was going to be a domination station for Fury the and whole time. Fury just, the sh I mean, I, I, we were talking in the pre-production now. Wilder looked to me slow, and the SE added weight. But Fury looked quicker. He looked lighter on his feet for a guy that weighed, outweighed him by 50 pounds. Certainly well, looked stronger. Fury was just on his comeback trail for the last fight and was just starting to change mm. his body back to, mm -hmm. to fight in shape. Now he's had a couple years of being in fight in shape. And you could see, like, this guy was dense. Yeah. Like, that was a lot of muscle behind. You know, he's just a big guy. He's never going to be cut up like Wilder. But... Let's talk more about these man's bodies. No, I think uh, I think Fury was in his best shape he's been in. Well, Mike, this is what happens when you participate in WWE programming, as Tyson Fury they did in the last the six months. Off. But once he punched him in the in the ear, and his ear was bleeding, oh, yeah. Wilder was... was concussed. Wilder didn't have his feet underneath him. His corner was like, "All right, you better show me something, or else." Like he wasn't throwing those same punches that yeah. he was throwing in the first no. couple of rounds. Well, I, Wilder's not a distance guy. You, no. That much, if you rely on power that much, you can't be a distance guy. He he was not a distance guy, and Fury was just dismantling him round by round there. And I he, mean, in like was, the fifth and sixth round, Fury was just beating the shit out of this guy. Yeah, so their, their corner threw in the towel. Yeah. It made sense. And how about Tyson Fury finishing it all off with singing American Pie? This is the weirdest <laughs> professional athlete in the history of the world. He comes out dressed as a king, being carried by Amazonian women mm -hmm. on, on their shoulders onto this throne, like the six degrees of MMO throne. Correct. And then... <laughs> He comes to the ring to Patsy Klein's crazy. That was bizarre. Like that was not a good song. I was song dying. Course. It was so weird, and they played this song twice. Yes, because it took so long to get to the ring. So awkward. And, and so on the end of it, he's giving his post-fight interview, and he gets the entire arena singing Don McLean's American Pie. He sang two whole minutes of it. I thought, all right, first verse, get to the chorus once. No, this man just wants to be up in front of cameras. I mean, if if you're looking for a show. Roman fight. I don't know how we inject Conor McGregor with 120 pounds of muscle, <laughs> but that would be the fight if they could ever figure out a some kind of middle ground they for Tyson. Never. I know it would never happen, but if Conor McGregor could ever get to Tyson Fury's level at some point, that would How be a great. How about fight. those two as a WWE tag team? Yes, give it to me now. And I'm, I'm serious, like. I know Wilder's flirted with WWE. Uh, and Fury has been. I mean, he just wrestled for WWE six months ago. He fought Braun Strowman. The, the, it makes just a ton of sense. If you do this, if you make a name in boxing or MMA, WWE is easier on your body. It's a big, probably a bigger paycheck. Maybe not than boxing, but it's certainly a bigger paycheck than MMA right now. 
just go there, man. I I could I would watch that honestly. Yeah. I would watch that. That would get me to watch WWE. But in this case, we have a star-making performance from Tyson Fury. I think everybody's rooting for the Joshua fight now, especially across the pond. I mean, uh, how many? Huge. I mean, how many people are le- like this was huge for boxing because boxing we always talk about how it's dying and we need the big names and great. Okay, this was. A, a homicide. <laughs> I mean, Fury really destroyed him. Yes. So there's no reason to have this fight again anytime soon. Apparently there's a uh, rematch clause. That doesn't surprise me, but why would Fury agree? To, what What more does Fury have to prove? What does he gain by beating this man again so soon? I don't I don't think Wilder should fight him again. Wilder yeah, doesn't. Does too. Wilder should try and build him himself up as the number one contender. Maybe get a couple more fights under his belt. Beat Ruiz. Get some yeah. more paychecks before he went after Fury again. I, I agree with you. So, I, But Anthony Joshua, yeah, that's, I think, maybe the last fight we can have. Other, I don't know any other heavyweights that have that kind of name cachet that, that Fury can go against. His rep got dinged a little bit when he lost to Ruiz. Yeah. That um, probably hurts him. But, if, no, I mean, a Fury... But also made Ruiz, which was awesome for, like, that three-month period. <laughs> a Fury-Ruiz fight is kind of cool, too, because he's probably be, yeah. a little better boxer than Wilder, in yeah. a way, and he's also got the power, so that's interesting. And it would be a big moment for fat guys everywhere. That would be a great match for all, all overweight men. We can root for that. We can root for that. <laughs> so, that was the boxing. That's the sports segment. We're going to pivot now to something else related to entertainment and movies, but not movies or entertainment. We have a president, Mike. He mocked the Oscars and the best picture winner, Parasite. He said, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Uh, prompting jeers from the crowd at his rally. Uh, did you see it? And then he said, the, the winner is a movie from South Korea? What the hell was that all about? And he's like, we got enough problems with South Korea with trade. On top of that, they give them best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. Let's get gone with the win. Can we get gone with the win back? Yeah, well, I stopped there. You know, let's get Triumph for the Will. Let's oh, get uh, Birth of the Nation. Let's, oh. let's really... Re- Look, I had a whole shtick that I wrote out about this orange actual parasite. You're trying to get us both fired. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm going to I'm gonna play the I middle more so this episode, but I'll be extreme against both sides. Just shut up. I just, why do you need to comment on everything? So, is it just to rile up his base against people who could see these movies? And basically, these movies are a criticism, in many cases, to President Trump. And he oh, knows yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, So he's just making this move of preemptively going, hey, he's been doing this for every year of but his here's Yeah, candidacy. but here's, here's where I... I kind of hesitate against that. I don't think it's just to rile up his base because he has a history in the last three years of going against not only Hollywood, but the Academy specifically. He wanted Bill Barr mm-hmm. and Makan Del Rahim. He flirted with having them file an actual antitrust suit. They drafted a letter under Bill Barr's uh, uh, supervision t- threatening the Academy with an antitrust violation, which is, I mean, first of all, it's kind of scary that the president and the attorney general clearly have no idea what a monopoly or an industry is. That's a little bit of a red flag because you need both of those to have an antitrust suit. But I don't understand what this man's fascination with Hollywood is other than he was a TV star. Was it just shots across the bow? Again, riling up his base. I-, I keep going back to that. And riling up his base not to go see those movies? Okay, but like Green Hollywood? Book just won last year, right? Yeah, but Green Book is still on the liberal right. side. Right. I mean, it wants day. to be. It wants thinks to be. it is, yeah. I, I agree with that. But still, it's not like 
It's not like there are no movies to placate. Yes, there is a divide in Hollywood, and yes, it needs to get better, and yes, they uh, both sides should do a better job of trying to reach across the aisle. But it's not like you know American Sniper doesn't exist and make money. It's not True. like there's other movies out there that aren't being made by big blockbuster heavy names. Why does this guy just keep need to open his mouth about everything? In this particular case, these particular Oscars were very anti-Trump. And they vote. They, they can't imagine why. Right. You know. Yeah. So I, yeah. Why. Well, Neon, I think, had the best and last laugh of the whole thing. Their distributor hit back saying, uh, you know, in a tweet, understandable. He can't read. <laughs> Which was great. <laughs> I mean, six words, seven words. Yeah, right but there. it's silly, though, right? I mean, of course, he can read. It's nonsense, whatever. It's just kind of a low-hanging fruit kind of an insult. I, I get aggravated by things like this. It just turns me against But isn't it low-hanging on his part to begin with to even start this conversation? I yes. Mean, you know? But why do we always have to drop to that level and, and go back at him? I don't, I don't know. Why can't we just have nice things? I agree. <laughs> Speaking of nice things, Mike, the Berlin Film Festival started off, and there's a few big stories, uh, and a yes. half happier stories. They achieved gender parity in their slate. It was 50-50. Last year was actually 63-47. That's not math. That's 110%. 37. That's how much effort they give. <laughs> but this year, they're 50-50, and I would hope a festival like this gains more notoriety, more steam as it continues to try and change industry norms for film festivals in particular i would hope the venices and others would follow suit at, at some point this is a good step in the right direction yeah berlin uh signed this pledge which was introduced in 2018 or 2019 uh, i can't remember but the 50 50 by 2020 pledge uh they signed up for it which is basically just asking for complete transparency and an effort to be more uh gender diverse and more racially diverse right. etc and there have been other major film festivals who have signed this as well. Good. Uh, Cannes signed it, TIFF signed it, Venice signed it. Uh, yeah, but Venice didn't do it. And Sundance hasn't signed it at all, which is a little peculiar to me, a little conspicuous by their absence. Now, that all said, good for Berlin, right? I mean, this is a, a good step. It's a way past due step, but it's a step that should be taken nonetheless. I think... Every giant endeavor, whether it's a corporation or a film festival, I think the idea of trying to be as transparent as possible is only the only way to kind of gain the public trust anyway. So Makes I think sense. this is a necessary thing that should be happening more often. I like it. I just wish they were more successful as a film festival. And everybody's going to get on me for this. Oh, they've been around for 70 years. Oh, they're one of the most prestigious going. Oh, you got to wear black ties to go there. And, I, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of cool stuff coming from Berlin, a lot of fun buzz. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the films, though. The films they've had haven't been these Oscar-nominated films in the past. Maybe it's the timing. But look, Synonyms won the Golden Bear last year. That topped out as the best international film selection out of Israel. Uh, other notable films that played there last year, System Cra Crasher, same deal from Germany. Mid-90s, that Jonah Hill movie. Mm -hmm. The Souvenir, which was, a, uh, which was definitely a cult smash hit, I would say. A couple awards shows there. Monos, again, I believe it was the Brazilian selection. Uh, skin, out stealing horses, a couple international film selections really were the ceiling for what their movies did last year. If you go back, you, you could see some big names this year. They have First Cow, Never Really, Sometimes Always, Siberia, The Road's Not Taken. Mike, they don't have huge names here. Yeah, and that's why I was surprised that this article was, uh, maybe it's because they've been the most successful. I know they are the first on the calendar. They are not only the biggest, but also the first 
sequentially of how the year goes who have abided by this 50-50 by 2020 pledge. And so they kind of set the template of what can be expected from other major film festivals who have signed up for this. It's a film festival I want to root for. I just wish they got movies that did better over the course of the year. Right. Look, hopefully, you know, something like Siberia from King of New York director with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, that gets some traction. Hopefully Javier Bardem, Sam Hayek, The Road's Not Taken. I mean, those are four recognizable films that we'll be talking about throughout the year. Never really, sometimes, always. We may even review as a potential Oscar mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I mean, and all that's true, and I'm with you. I, I hope this means bigger and better things for the Berlin Film Festival as it is. But the reason this is a story is because it's first, and I think... right. The bigger story out of all this to me is that, okay, this is setting the template for hopefully what's something which has far more ties directly and highly correlated to the Academy Awards, something like TIFF, something like CAN. Yes. You know, I I, I think that's the bigger story is to see how they can do it. Yeah, how they abide by this pledge as well, which again, I say is only a good thing. I don't necessarily think this is, I think quota filling is a bad thing. And to me, this isn't quota filling. This is just holding yourself responsible and opening yourself up to criticism if you don't hold up with it through the transparency. But it's also the first festival of the year, one of the first. Right, that's right. It's the first biggest, yeah. And basically, they're giving all these films opportunities. Right. So if you're going to start fresh, then this is the time to do Agreed. it and to just give equal opportunity. That that's, makes great sense. Yep. That's actually kind of fair. Agree. I'm, I'm all for it. This is, right. Hopefully, it sets a trend. There was one big movie that did premiere over there, Pixar's Onward. As of Friday, it had 81% on 47 reviews. So people are saying it's not necessarily an Oscars level yeah. Pixar film, but they're really happy with it. They they had fun with. It. I was surprised. I saw a lot of emotional reviews. A lot of oh my god, I needed tissues. I was crying. I was okay. bawling. So I thought we were going to have to give this the OSP, the Oscar Spring Profile breakdown. But you say you've seen otherwise. I wonder if it's going to fall into the Monsters University, you know, kind of slot yeah. for Pixar, especially with another Pixar film coming out this year in Seoul, especially with another Disney animated film coming out with a high profile mm-hmm. in Raya and the Last Dragon. We kind of just went over that in our part two of our year in preview. So the best animated film category could get really smooshed together. You yeah. got the Willoughby's from next Netflix that we've already talked about. There's a bunch more. There's a bunch more that we'll, we'll continue to cover because animated films are are making buku bucks in the yeah, box yeah. office to steal your saying again. <laughs> we do have one final happy story, though. Uh, moving on from animated films, we have Quentin Tarantino and Daniela Pick. They welcomed their first child last night. They had a baby boy. Congratulations to them both. Yeah, congratulations to them. I also think this is a little peculiar because he said he was going to retire to like start a family and have kids and he's clearly not retired and he's having kids so you're reading into this oh yeah oh yeah i mean kids come and go baby boy kids come and go every day mike (laughs) but hollywood tea leaf conspiracy theorizing is forever he'll want to make his his movies for his son (laughs) right exactly he'll make he'll do 10 animated films after this quentin tarantino as a ham-handed transition into do you care segment this is where we take other news stories of the week we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them the way we start every do you care segment is i take my new baby boy also mike here and i ask him about this week's upcoming releases both in theaters and on demand so going wide this week in theaters michael we have the invisible man we have the ride 
Uh, and on demand, we have Standing Up, Falling Down. We also have Frozen 2 coming out. Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. It is impossible to me that they are still <laughs> making Pokemon movies centered around Mewtwo, who was the big Pokemon reveal when they first made Pokemon movies when I was playing Pokemon. Are you going to click on it is the question. Probably. <laughs> also have all the bright places coming out on Netflix as well. All right, so that's why they're making it because people like you are going to click on it. It means a lot of kids are going to Well, it's right it. there. It's right there. Anyway, I, I'm kind of excited for The Invisible Man. I'm waiting on reviews a little bit for at the moment. Yeah, the like fact you. that reviews haven't come out yet is wor- worrisome. Yes, it is worrisome. Although, Sean Fantasy Big Picture, people like it Good. out there. So fingers crossed standing up falling down i almost rented that this morning i listened to a james bond audiobook instead but billy crystal ben schwartz this is the movie from sundance we kind of half-assed previewed a while back so maybe it's good it's on vod 84 percent on 32 reviews i'm all for anything ben schwartz does maybe for next week mmow what we're watching i'll, I'll actually review it there you go so I, otherwise am i missing something are you are you into anything else I mean, you were a big fan of Frozen 2, so I mean, that's nice to see that that's going to be coming out. I, I did wasn't crazy about it, but I know there are a lot of people out there. Obviously, the biggest grossing animated film of all time. I'll wait till it comes on Disney Plus because I got to use Disney Plus for something. I, we got to go back to that, man, because why do people have Disney Plus right now? Because it's a library of all your favorite Disney films at the moment for me, and I once in a while I get a short film or a series. Are or they movie. adding anything new? Do they, they have any they original are. content? They, it, it's it's some. TV shows that I'm not interested in, really. Okay. But the short films are cool. Like, I'll pop in and But they're adding new movie. stuff. Yes. Week. And then okay. there's an original movie. I'm going to review an original movie at the end of the episode. Because I was thinking, like, yeah, there's no reason to have the WWE Network except for the pay-per-views either. But at least they add original content. Tom McCarthy, made a from Spotlight Director, mm-hmm. made a kid's movie for their service. Oh, So no. they are putting stuff out. It, it wasn't That's good. That's got to be the harshest kid's movie ever. <laughs> I'll talk about it. <laughs> Mike, film announcements. We've got a couple stories here. Peninsula will be set in the same world as Train to Busan. This was this South Korean zombie movie from a while back that was a phenom. So this is, to me, it sounds like the, the South Korean zombie movie version of what Cloverfield has tried to do in America. They said this isn't going to be a sequel, but it's going to be in the same universe. Evangelista kind of mentioned from Slash Film that it's kind of like 28 Days Later and how that, you know, picked up with new characters in the same kind of situation. Uh, I see. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I still have not seen Train to Busan, and that is a, a blight on my record as both a horror fan and an Oscar critic. Here's what I worry about. Train to Busan's really cool because mm-hmm. it's zombie fighting on, on trains. Train. Yeah. Like Peninsula, what does that mean? Is it zombie fighting on boats? Zombie Island. Yeah. There's an old video game series about that. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. It, it had its gimmick involved in Train to Busan because it was on a train. Maybe the train's on the island. Could be. You say? Down the peninsula. This is it's how movies get made, Mike. Two trains. <laughs> One leaves the station going 50 miles Mike, the next Planet of the Apes movie won't be a reboot. The way that is phrased is a little curious. So like, People were mad that it was a reboot. <laughs> why not just say it's a sequel? Why say it's not a reboot? So maybe this is doing the same thing. I'm not entirely sure. But I think it's a good thing overall because I think the Caesar trilogy is very underrated. I think it's properly rated. I don't love them. I just, you don't, I, I'm I don't surprised to hear them. that. I thought the story was very strong in all three. It was solid. Okay. I just get... I get mad. I know you didn't like the the war look of it. Because I get mad at titles not living up to their billing when it should <laughs> be many. skirmish for the 
you know, pond of the uh, a few monkeys. Too many prepositional called phrases. It, yeah, yeah. No, it, it wasn't war for the planet of the apes. Well, do you like the idea that they're not moving on yet? Or do you, would you rather them see, if they, like, if we had to have another planet of the apes movie, would you rather they just reboot the whole thing? Or are you okay with this universe existing still? To me, it's like a cynical money grab at this point. Yeah, like, how, how can it exist yeah. right now without spoiling the last movie? Yeah. Like, the best part about it existing is already done for. Maybe it's a prequel of a different timeline. It has timeline. to be a prequel for Planet of the Apes. Or t- yeah, but then the timeline doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. No, uh, it does I, work, but it... it yeah. All right. It, it's got to be that. Right. I, I do think there is there is value. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I, I like it. I hope they don't ruin it. I'll see it. I'll see everything. <laughs> Mike, we have some director announcements. Let's take these uh, a little one by one. Eli Roth is going to direct a Borderlands video game adaptation. Nope. <laughs> Not going to see it. I'm afraid of Eli Roth movies. I'll just say it. I refuse to see any of them. You have never seen Hostel? The House with a Clock in Its Walls is the only Eli Roth movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't want torture porn. I don't want scary stuff, gross stuff. I, I won't do it. Hostel was rough. I that... wanted to watch The Green Inferno a couple times. I haven't been able to bring myself to do it. Cannibalism. You can't even do it. Cannibalism is tough. You can't yeah. even do it. How am I supposed to do it? There's now, no way. That said... Borderlands is a wacky video game series, and it's it, gonna be gross though. It's like Mad Max gross yeah, video game. Yeah, it crazy. could go a billion different ways. Like, He's it gonna can be, be gross light with. and have fun with it, but I could also see this going very, very easily being a dark horror series. I'm terrified, and people may love the video game. You're gonna have to convince me. Yeah. I don't want to see it. All <laughs> right, Martin McDonough. His I next will watch movie this now. Is going to be the Banshees of Inishir, and it's gonna have Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson in it. Michael, it's basically like In Bruges Two. Or in Bruges, the prequel. I love this. I mean, it's basically, you know, these two lifelong pals who are probably criminals, in a way. <laughs> and uh, Martin McDonough's got them hanging out in an Irish island. Do you get a plate of corned beef and cabbage when you walk into the theater to see this? I would love that. You get your own pot of gold. I mean, how many other Irish stereo? Is this the most Irish movie ever made? Is it going to be just a green tint on the whole film? The Benchies of Inishir, Michael. <laughs> With Brandon Gleeson and Colin Farrell and Martin McDonough behind the camera. Love it. Yeah, it'll be great, but my lord. <laughs> I can't wait. That sounds like the beginning of an SNL skit. <laughs> I don't care. You tried to you tried to poo-poo this for me. I, I will watch I know, but you're very right excited now. for it. I'm an eighth Irish, so I can cling to this. <laughs> Dexter Fletcher, the man behind uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and this past year's Rocket Man, is going to be doing a remake of The Saint. So the original 1997 film made 169 million on a 68 million dollar budget. That's barely breaking even. If so, yeah, and that was also that original movie was like one of the last times that Val Kilmer's "I'm an action hero, leading man" role was out there for be taken seriously. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue was in that movie. She was very good in that as well. Yeah. I don't care. I don't either. I don't. I'm surprised. Yeah. I guess if you're going to remake movies, though, I'd rather you remake movies that nobody cared about. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I know. And $168 million, that's a decent gross. So for it could be a pleasant surprise is what you Right. I, I'd rather that than, I'm sorry, but I don't want to see a remake of Rebecca. I don't. 
You know, I, I don't want to see something that has that kind yeah, of success. But it's Ben Wheatley's remake of Rebecca. It could be <laughs> fucking crazy. It could be. It could be. <laughs> Mike David Slade is going to do a Dark Harvest adaptation for MGM. I care because of his strange career, Michael. He comes out movies like Hard Candy, Thirty Days of Night. You think he's going to be in the horror wheelhouse yeah. forever? Then he goes and does that Twilight movie, which kind of he breaks his own principles for that. I don't know. He kind of sells out, and he sells out big. That was with horror a, of a different kind. With Eclipse, <laughs> right? But he does TV for a while. He does a Breaking Bad episode. He does a bunch of episodes of Hannibal, American Gods, Black Mirror before doing the Black Mirror movie, Bandersnatch. He's starting to do movies again, and he picks this renowned property, which is interesting. So the premise of this, according to the Bloody Disgusting article, is the book is set during Halloween of 1963 in a small Midwestern town where teenage boys eagerly square off with the butcher knife-wielding October Boy, a.k.a. Old Hacksaw Face, a.k.a. Sawtooth Jack. So it's Stranger Things versus Pumpkin Guy Monster, Sawtooth Jack, evil guy. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. And Sign me up. I've been wondering about this for a while. Since we're in this age of nostalgia and old horror properties are new again, obviously the, the Halloween remake came back and made a billion dollars. It's going to have its own trilogy. Uh, people are still dying for Robert England to come back and don the Freddy Claus for a movie one more time. Saw is just getting its kind of new well, chapter with Chris Rock. To me, the two It movies, this is what this is based on. There you go, they're, too. They're, yeah. trying, they're, they're trying to get a Pennywise thing going on here where kids fight a horror monster. Well, that's kind of where I'm going. What? It's been a while since we've had these horror movies centered around a slasher, like the villain, mm -hmm. being the guy that's selling the franchise, and I'm kind of down for a new age. You know, let's get a new slasher. Let's have a new Michael Myers be made. What's innovations on the genre in yeah. many ways? If it went that route and this can, can pull it off and Stranger Things, the same version on TV, you're getting, you know, all these callbacks to the old genres the way they used to do them, but you have different scream queens and final people. With, with the kids yeah. involved. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time we had a slasher that was centered around the villain mm -hmm. who was able to carry the franchise for multiple movies. Well, even Happy Death Day, right? You know, that's a bunch of college kids right. fight a slasher. Right. That's but cool, too. It's, 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 but it's not a per... Like, I want a Mike... I want the guy. I want Freddy. I know I'm going to the movies to see Freddy. Like, the last one I can think of is, like, Hatchet, which didn't have great... I mean, they were cult, they were cult films. Gross. but yeah. yeah. But, you know, they didn't have the... I want a mainstream new horror baddie that I can buy an action figure of and pray to at night. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if we're getting any of those in these casting announcements, but let me throw a bunch of stuff to you. We're getting an All Quiet on the Western Front remake with Daniel Bruhl, Mike. So this goes again. This seems to be the, the year of remade Best Picture announcements or debuts as we're getting yet another one. You and Andrew at the Nomcast talked about how we're getting the remake of Rebecca, which yes. we already hit it on. West Side Story. West Side Spielberg. Story. Spielberg is going to be coming out as well. Here we have All Quiet on the Western Front, which won the Best Picture uh, Oscar at the 1930 show. I wonder what this is going to be. I wonder if this is going to be uh, a an all-out epic remake to kind of chase Oscars again, or if this is going to be more of the remake in the sense of the latest Jacob's Ladder or the latest Ben-Hur that we just had, which really didn't cause so much of a blip on the screen of the film industry, and they just kind of are passed over. I feel like Daniel Bruhl is due for a really good movie. I agree with that. But I could see this going either way because he's done some really bad movies too. And um, I, I never did not know this was a thing. Amusement Park film 
has the rights to all choir on the Western Front, huh. which I didn't know who they were, so I did some research. They've been behind the movies such as A Most Wanted Man and Mr. Right. Turner. So I wouldn't expect a blockbuster epic budget for this type of film. I like those yeah, they're quality solid. of movies, they're even solid. though I didn't love Mr. Turner. It's the most boring film ever made. But <laughs> A Most Wanted Man's good with P-A-S-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoffman there. So hopefully, I can well, only hope for the best for that world one. World One is so in right now, Michael. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is going to star in Don't Look Up for Adam McKay and Netflix. This is about an asteroid hitting Earth, and Lawrence is trying to convince everybody that an asteroid's about to hit Earth, and nobody believes them. So I know everyone's going to expect me to pound the table and say, why is Jennifer Lawrence doing movies that aren't her playing Elizabeth Holmes, which will no doubt win an Oscar again for her? Uh, I'm going to allow this one. So okay. this one has my blessing, because the Elizabeth Holmes movie is going to be alongside Adam McKay. That's his movie with Jennifer Lawrence, so them working together here I think makes a lot of sense. This one was uh, filmed already, and then Netflix purchased the rights to it. So this is going to appear on Netflix Busy year coming up for Jennifer Lawrence. She kind of took 2019 off right. for all intents and purposes. She got like, married and stuff. Yeah, yeah. She, she. I mean, she's a lot of personal life, I guess. Didn't ask me first, but Fine. whatever. But you better come back with like three great movies this year, please. <laughs> she's also going to be the producer of Mob Girl, which is, I forget, the, who's the director Paolo of that one? Yeah, there you go. She's going to have a, a role in, in producing that as well. But this is an out-and-out comedy, Mike. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence has not done an out-and-out comedy that I can remember. Certainly not led one. She's been funny in dramas, though, sure. right? Yep. Her uh, she's have got been... comedic chops, but yeah. carrying an Adam McKay comedy can be quite the bizarre endeavor for a movie star. Netflix willing to take the gamble on it, though. Another strange Netflix announcement came out this week. Uh, David and Dan, David Benioff and uh, D.B. Weiss. Our friends. My friends, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not allowed to be friends with them because you don't like the show Fair. Game of Thrones. Michael Doe, Goofy Goss. <laughs> we have Sandra O. Oh. She's starring in a six episode, half hour series for Netflix about like an English professor. <laughs> this is this could have been a three and a half hour movie or whittled down to a regular movie, but instead they're like going the Fleabag catastrophe, Amazon Prime route where they do like a half hour miniseries in a way. It's kind of cool. I think Netflix just wants content from people with names behind them. It's also interesting that this is the first David and Dan announcement for Netflix. That is, that is very, very interesting. You wouldn't think it'd be this type of show, but I also, I mean, Afterlife from Ricky Gervais is the same thing. It was six okay. episodes for his first series, 27 minutes an episode. I think if you combine them all, they are, are short of the runtime of The Irishman as a single movie. I wonder if the Paul Rudd show is the same size. That I don't know. Similar size. I haven't dove into that yet, but everybody says you can binge it really fast. Netflix is is turning not only... We've talked a lot about how they're going to be the the mid-budget type place and the Mm -hmm. rom-com type place. They also seem to be the landing place for passion projects, which is kind of cool that we have that outlet. It's it's very cool, yeah. And uh, Andrew and I went fifteen rounds yeah. on that, which was uh, which was a lot of fun to discuss. Uh, I don't know where this one is going, but this is a big Watergate series in the works from Sam Esmail, Mister Robot, Homecoming on on Amazon, and then a new uh, Briar Patch on USA. Mm-hmm. We have Julia Roberts, Sean Penn, Army Hammer, Joel Edgerton. I can never say his name. <laughs> all starring in Gaslit. Esmail now is executive producing, and this is an adaptation, Michael. Of a podcast. Does that get you excited about our future life in the entertainment industry? Could you imagine? (laughs) Could you imagine an adaptation 
of our podcast. Act one would be very sad. <laughs> Act two would perk up. <laughs> Who knows what Act 3 has in store? <laughs> uh, I love tragedy. this cast. I love political dramas. Yeah. Uh, Sam Esmail's got a nice history of successfully producing intriguing and interesting shows. I like yearning for years when politicians had shame and were actually held accountable for their actions. And when they were caught, they actually said, oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that, as opposed to doubling down on everything. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No, all these movies have obvious, you know, crossovers to what's going on. All, even the meteorite movie from Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence is like a global warming thing. I mean, it's it's kind of on the nose a, a little bit. Would you say political thrillers are one of your favorite niches? They used to be. I, I've been most obsessed with some political thrillers. Right. Where, and, and maybe even if Primary Colors is not one of those. I was obsessed with that movie. All the presidents meant obsessed. Yeah, right. Like We all Same go here. through that yeah, phase, yeah. right? Where we're like relitigating Watergate. I'm sure you've done, you've done this. Yeah, uh, like, that's, that's why I weep. Didn't you do it again like this week too? I just I just get so sad with what's going on in this country. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry, I hate Democrats too. We'll talk about that. We'll soon. We'll talk about that <laughs> soon. Uh, Cuss and Mike. This casts Anthony Hopkins as Mike Tyson's trainer. We don't know who's playing Mike Tyson yet. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I care about this yet. As much as I love Anthony Hopkins and as great a talent he is, and we know he's still got the chops to pull off an Academy Award-nominated performance, but let's, I mean, Mike. if you're going to make a Mike Tyson movie... Well, at least he doesn't have the pressure, whoever this actor is, to go, you know, act next to go somebody right really up next like to Anthony legendary Hopkins. or anything like that. <laughs> right. Not only does he have to capture one of the most, you know, publicized people in the history of biopics... Oh who, who would you even... Ca- I mean, who... Kaluuya, maybe? I mean, they're going to need... Uh, it's not going to be Michael makeup? B. Jordan, because he's I mean, he's not going to do Creed and the Mike Tyson movie. I can't imagine. He just doesn't look like Mike Tyson. I, I can't Does anybody that. in Hollywood? No, Mike Tyson <laughs> is a giant-faced monster who beats people up. We, we've all been afraid of Mike Tyson over the yeah. years. Because he's the most dangerous man on the planet for over a decade, growing up, you and I, anyway. And now you're, you're actually just hit on presenting the problem. You can't really hire a new kid. I mean, you're going to trust a new kid to go mano a mano with Anthony Hopkins in some scenes like this is going to cause for? Well, that's the thing. That's why yeah. I, I, I put it in this segment. It's yeah. a very strange Interesting. casting. Interesting. Robert Pattinson is reuniting with Claire Denis for The Stars at Noon. This is the High Life team. They're they're joining forces once again. I think this is really cool. I also love that Margaret Qualley is also starring. Yeah, we know Pattinson and Denis have, uh, obviously, chemistry, and they work well together on scene. I am fascinated with Margaret Qualley's career. I think she could be huge. She's got a big film at Berlin right now, too. Oh, so good. That's, good. You know, again, Berlin, I want to love you. Right. Let's go. Jurassic World 3 is going to cast everyone, it seems, from the previous <laughs> Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World movies, Michael. I think this could be wise. I'm glad you do, because I don't think I could care less about it. I, I haven't seen the new Jurassic Worlds. I have no desire to. The first act of the first Jurassic World yeah. was great. Oh, good. And then okay. the end's okay. Yeah. And then the whole second movie's okay. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's dinosaur movies in general, but mm-hmm. there's just... I like Chris Pratt. Yeah, they're There's fine. There's nothing I... Yeah, They kind of look care. hokey. They look computer animated. They do look... That's very, very true. They do and not hurt. It. Like wonderful. Spielberg looked real. Yeah, and that was... I mean, he was relying on... Maybe he was more reliant, but I knew there was some practical effects going on. But yeah, I, I don't... 
Jurassic World's got a lot of work to do to get me interested, and I know that's, <laughs> that's not a concern of theirs, since they make billions of dollars every time they make a movie, mm. but yeah. Final story in this segment is, we have the Friends reunion being a go, Mike. It's official. I'm not as excited for this as I was when I first heard the rumors of this happening, because mm. when they officially announced this, which they did this week... First of all, great job by Matthew LeBlanc because everybody, all the six of them put up it's actually happening or it's officially happening or whatever on their Instagram and they put a picture of the front from the friend set of them like hanging out an old photo, an old professionally done photo of them mm-hmm. and Matt LeBlanc put up it's actually happening and then put a picture of MASH which was very funny. So I appreciated that. But mm, that's neither here nor there. When they were announcing this was going to be a reunion, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. I think HBO Max could sell a billion subscriptions just on, just the back on this, of this. Alone, yes. But then they said it's an unscripted thing. So to me, that indicates that they're not coming back to actually make friends. They're going to come back. This sounds like it's going to be like a roundtable discussion to talk about how much this show meant to all of them. And we've oh. kind of seen that a billion times. I don't want that. I don't no, need I, that. Right, that's exactly how I feel. I want a reunion exactly, special. Exactly, yes. I want Star Wars The Force Awakens, right. but Friends. Exa- that I am the exact same. Or just actually the Star Wars starring the Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Give Chandler the, the, the Darth Vader mask. I, so I, now I'm speculating. There's nothing concrete to kind of go on that. I'm just I'm putting the pieces together. But they that word unscripted has been in every press release and every article about this reunion show and that really worries me because i'm like you i want a friend show i will still watch it though won't you (laughs) hbo max is not playing games man (laughs) hbo max is gonna be a monster i know we're all gonna have to get it yeah all right who's up me you i'll take it Uh, yeah mike we had our first look at the new batman suit or should i call it the batman suit (laughs) it didn't look great i I thought it i mean here's the thing it got a lot of shit on twitter and it should uh look the first suit in Batman Begins is supposed to be kind of his prototype, right? It's supposed to, you know, lead to a few cool visuals and silhouettes, but it's supposed to be something that he builds on, that he gets cooler throughout a trilogy or a series. So, do I need this to be the greatest Batman suit, the coolest one of all time? Yes! <laughs> I don't, if it's playing off the same kind of, you know, genesis or evolution. Right. I think that's a fair point. It seems like this movie is going to draw inspiration from Batman Year One. This is from based off an article from Slash Film. So if that's the case, I'd never read that comic series, but just doing research on it, Batman Year One is about a young Bruce Wayne uh, just donning the suit for the first time, teaming with a young police officer, Gordon. So it's not his best suit. Right. So it's not his final form. Uh, And I guess the, the premise of that story is that they team up to fight primarily the Carmine Falcone crime family right. and also a corrupt police commissioner. Before Gordon's in there. Right, but there's no mention of Penguin. There's no mention of Riddler. There's Selena Kyle, who's a dominatrix, which, I mean, be still my heart if Zoe Kravitz is going to play a dominatrix role. <laughs> But there is an allusion to the Joker at the end of that series, apparently. So I wonder how any of that's going to be handled. How big a role the villains that are casted, Paul Dano and Colin Farrell playing the Penguin and the Joker. I wonder how they're going to be integrated into the story. I'm just very worried. I don't want this to be Justice League all over again. I agree with your red flags. However, I guess you can kind of just throw Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman in here. No? It's possible. Isn't that a, you think so? You could just get away with that? Because we know them, we're familiar enough, you think? If they look cooler than that Batman suit, <laughs> then yes. 
that's one hell of an umbrella, I Dano. don't have high expectations for this movie as much as some people do with Matt Reeves being a better director than Pat. I, I would just like this to be solid, and yeah. I'm cool with it. I'm starting to come down on my expectations. I, I don't think Pattinson would do a bad story, though, because he's such a phenomenal actor. He's... T- <laughs> Done bad stories in the past. Well, I mean, that's a little unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Not since that bad story, has he? Has he? Yeah, well, some of his indie movies aren't great. He's he's, he's been a little hit and miss. He's been more hit lately, though. I would agree. What if Joaquin Phoenix just shows up at the end of the movie and shoots everybody in the head? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, final story here. Mulan got a PG-13 rating. This is the first of the live-action remakes Getting a PG-13 rating. I saw a lot of people happy about this. I, I, I okay. I, I don't know that I care about it because I know I'm getting, I, I have an idea of the type of film I'm getting from Disney regardless. So the fact that it's PG-13 means they can lean more into the battle aspect. I'm cool with it, but I would have been just as fine if it was PG still. A lot of my track kids were talking about this movie this week. Really? For a while, like during warm-ups. They were That's just awesome. talking about Mulan. They were into it. They're like, this is my favorite animated you know, Disney movie of my childhood. Really? This is the best one. Huh. I can't wait. I-, I hope they don't screw the movie up. I, you know, peppered in. I'm like, you know why they're doing this? <laughs> Kids, because they gotta retain the rights. I quoted Chris Gore without quoting Chris Gore. I thought you were gonna do the Steve Buscemi thing from uh, Thirty. What's up, fellow kids? Uh, No, I'm obviously the coach there, just forced to eavesdrop on the kids because I have to watch. You wearing a wig? (laughs) Are you excited about this? Does PG-13 make a difference to you? Do you care? I am excited about this movie because I really like the live-action remakes that Disney kind of pivoted to with Jungle Book and 101 Dalmatians back in the mid-90s or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I, I thought those were good stories when I was a kid. Those are good PG movies. Agree with all that. All right, pg is the new PG. Kids are much more evil now and to, a, to a kid. They're all little monsters, I would say. True. <laughs> so they can handle PG-13, right? I, yeah, I don't know that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that it makes a difference in the long run. I mean, we're, so we're going to get little blood as opposed to no blood? Okay, mm-hmm. sure. All right. I'm very excited to see the movie. Tyson I, Fury right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't. He licked the man's blood. That was <laughs> gross. It was gross. All right. Let's go into a box office update here quickly, Michael. All right. We have Parasite news, first and foremost, because that movie has made basically another $60 million since uh, its Best Picture win. And I just want to tip my hat to him yeah. because I said like the box office previously wasn't like the greatest ever. And I'm putting up against like the Pulp Fictions and the indie films that really became phenomena, worldwide yeah. phenomena, right? Parasite is getting there, though. I mean, the fact that on an $11 million budget, it's made $49 million domestically, 155.6 overseas for a $204.5 million take. It's getting its own TV series now. Mike, this is getting to levels where they're just raking it in, and it doesn't show signs of slowing. It's going to continue to make movie uh, money overseas. It's probably going to top out around 250 I wonder... If we should care about the Oscars viewing numbers going down, because the Oscars bump is clearly a real thing still. It's in effect, and it's in effect worldwide. Regardless of how many people actually tune into the program, because right. it's having a great deal of impact on the movies on the back end of We this. don't even get the numbers from VOD. It's got to be right. making ridiculous numbers at VOD, and Brian Formo of Fandango was like, it's got the highest you know, pre- yeah. pre-sale numbers. Yeah. The, the, the biggest pre-sale numbers that they've had, I think, of uh, well, there was some kind of qualifier on that, but it's right. doing 
extremely well. Uh, it's mocking me, which it has every right to do for all the shit I talked about it and how it can't win, so good for it. It's good that the Oscars are making people money, though. Very good, and I, I shockingly good because I, I wonder if they're going to bother to address this shortcoming and these declining viewing numbers. I mean, does it really matter if they're still making ad revenue and also it's helping out the films in the long run? Does anybody actually care that only 25 million people are watching the Oscars live as opposed to 28 million people? I still wanted to talk about those ratings at some point because those were Nielsen numbers, correct? I believe those I believe were Nielsen so. numbers. I think so. What's the addition of the worldwide? Again, this is like the worldwide box office saving the industry because or basically continuing to grow the industry. So were the worldwide Oscar numbers higher than it's they've ever been? I'm guessing they were. Interesting point. Um, I have no idea how you would quantify that. Right. Because I don't think that type of... Well, when Netflix buys everything. Yeah, well, then they won't release the numbers, so we'll never know. Uh, <laughs> They'll release that number because it'll be huge. <laughs> this many people watch Bird Box. Um, no, I I do think the Oscars, not to go down this rabbit hole completely, but they got to do something with streaming. And I know it's got to be a contractual impossibility because they're tied into Disney and ABC. Yeah. And if they do something with streaming, it's probably only going to be available on Disney+, Plus, which... I don't think enough people have yet to kind of have that kind of crossover Correct. to have it matter. So yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 they got to take advantage of YouTube is what I'm getting at. I mean, YouTube yeah, is just so readily available to, for everyone. They're probably not doing it. Though. Yeah. They're doing not doing it for a reason because they want people to subscribe to cable. Bottom mm. line, that's yeah. the whole. Well, that's you know, where they make their yeah. You're right. Draw the, for cable. ad revenue. Mike uh, about Parasite though. There's a second part of this story. This movie hasn't even been shown in China yet and may not be. That's sad in a way, but again, it's not super surprising with the censors over there. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's made two hundred five million and it's going to probably despite top not having anything from the one Chinese, of the biggest, yeah, the Chinese, one uh, of the biggest markets. Market that's that's incredible. So good for them, and I'm with you. I would like to see. Hopefully, they can. You know, there's just such a I guess tension still between those two governments that. Who knows if it'll ever happen. Yeah, it does make sense there, historically. All right, let's run through the top five real quick. Sonic the Hedgehog did 26.3 last weekend. It's up to 157. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> has made $157 million. It's a huge hit. <laughs> Look at that movie. It's done two weeks, and it's already made probably close to profit. Are you going to see it? Because I almost At some saw point, it. yes. I almost saw it like every day this week. And I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, am I really going to go out at 9 o'clock at night to see Sonic so I can review it for MMOW? And I almost did it. And then I was like, all right, I better watch another Sean Connery Bond. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a birds of prey <laughs> thing for me where I, I, I'll i probably wait to, for when it's on demand. Right. I probably won't go it's to a theater HBO to see it. It's or yeah. it's not Stars or something. But I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to see it just for Jim Carrey. Like, that's a draw Right, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I love that cast entirely, yeah. Call of the Wild made 24.8. It's up to 40.2 worldwide on a $135 million budget. That's the scary part. So when you cross 30 domestically on your opening weekend, you usually have a chance at least getting to 100. If yeah. you get to 100, that means it'll probably do at worst 200 million worldwide. That's it's not, not great. Losing, but it's not losing a ridiculous. It's no, not right. losing it'll, it'll save It'll save face, but this is... Look, those graphics don't look great either, man. They don't look great. So for a okay million dollar budget, yeah. With critics, sixty something percent on right. tomatoes. I'm still curious. There's another one I'd probably wait for VOD. I'm not running to see it. Did they use a real dog at all, do you think? Or do you think everything involved no, in the dog is yeah. Togo was more fun to me because it was a real dog who was adorable. So it was just Harrison Ford acting with like a green screen or a human down on all fours with tennis balls attached to him? Uh huh. Probably doing a good job. 
He had to have hated that. <laughs> got paid a lot of money. Mike, Birds of Prey made $7 million. That's up to 173 worldwide. Total $84.5 million budget. Yeah, so this is crawling along to exactly what we all said it was. It's not the, oh my God, this movie flopped. But it's also not the, wow, this movie's making bank. It's probably going to split even in the long run. The news when it came out, though, is that flopped yeah i mean it, it didn't do when you lose 20 percent of your expected debut or your projection right yeah red flags go up everywhere but it's still if it can recover itself to the point where it's at worst drawing even i think that might be a success for dc and again we're going off that 2.5 threshold did yeah, they market right. it or what we don't know their full budget uh but that yeah it looks like it's going to get to 2.5 in right. theaters after a couple more weeks especially overseas Brahms, The Boy 2, made $5.9 million. It's up to $8.1 worldwide in its opening weekend on a $10 million budget. What? I don't care either. The hell <laughs> is wrong with all of you people? What? Wait, you like this? No! Why are you seeing this? Why was this made? The Boy 1 apparently had some people who liked it, but I didn't see it. I, all I will say... I've checked in on Brom the Boys Twitter. What? They're very funny. <laughs> They're very good. So if it has some meta humor, maybe it's interesting. Will you ever see this movie? I, me, no, but yeah. I figured you would. I probably will. <laughs> well, it's something like when it, this comes right, on right, premium, exactly. you will I'll just turn it on. It, yeah. Like escape room. Um, hypocrite. <laughs> Bad Boys for Life made 5.9. Another bona fide hit. It's up to $379 million worldwide on a $90 million budget. So the question can't be if, but when we get another one? Yeah. Right? I mean, do you think they wait another 10 years? How do you outdo the last title, though? Bad Boys for Afterlife? Uh, you can't outdo the last title. You might just have to go Bad Boys for Life too. Bad Boys for Everyone? I don't know. When you get to the fourth installment? Oh, yeah. Well, no. that Bad Boys for, for Life. Um. You see? Diddy wins again, man. <laughs> Let's go to some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. Couple trailers, Mike. The first one up. Big time adolescence. Premise. Mid-90s meets super bad, but for 16-year-old boys. And instead of Seth Rogen as a cop, we got Pete Davidson as a Pete Davidson. I'm going to have to get Hulu again. Can I still do that Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu <laughs> triple deal? Because I really want to see this. This was a, a, a fun trailer. It was an adorable trailer in a way. Obviously, Pete Davidson scares me as a mentor hero or mentor character in general. Just in life, yes. especially he's playing himself I'm just here. nodding. <laughs> but, you know, Hulu seems to be going for these comedies. They also got Palm Springs coming later, we think, we hope, we don't know. We, we thought we read that somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, we think they're going in for comedies. Yeah, and, and good. They need to. I'd like them to do something as long as they're getting on the movie train at some point. This so. was a hit at last year's Sundance. Yeah. It got delayed till this spring-ish on Hulu. One of the funniest criticisms this podcast has ever gotten was your brother texting me talking shit this week <laughs> because I dared to say Pete Davidson was 21 or 22 That's and right, not 26, 26 years old right. that, as he is. Well, you're. we've already talked about this. You're a man frozen in times past. <laughs> right. That's very true. So, I, Is there any doubt that Pete Davidson is going to be a massive super duper star at some point? <sighs> a little bit, though, because he's... You think so? Well, I, I'm afraid for him because he's had pr problems with drugs. Self-sabotaging. Yeah. I didn't watch the new Netflix show yet, though, I, and I heard that's funny. 
I've I've been thinking a lot about SNL contracts lately as it pertains to him and like Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig. Before he doesn't them. get many reps on SNL. No, but I wonder if they knew. Like Lauren Michaels might just be honing him and like crafting him to be the guy that brings in like the John Cena of their of their program. And I know SNL cast members. I think they signed seven year contracts or six years with an option really? at the jump. And he's in his fifth, I want to say, year. So he's got he's going to be there for a couple more years as long as Lawrence says he will. So Here, this is his transitional film, where it's, apparently it's a star making performance. I just wonder if enough people are going to see it on Hulu. Well, you have this, then you have the Judd Apatow one That's coming true. out. That's I true. mean, it could be a big year for his. Could star. be a big spring. Yeah. For Pete Davidson. And he's got the Netflix comedy special, so we'll see. Mike, The Green Knight is coming from A24, starring Dev Patel. Fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight that is not Monty Python. <laughs> this premise. You remember Game of Thrones? No. this Don't do you, this. You, you think we could squeeze a few more Stop bucks it. out of you for not being able to Stop see the it. Night King on your television anymore? The other guys were ice. This is the Green That guy. big reveal in this trailer. It was awful. That's the Night King. Right? Or the mall, or one of those ridiculous people. The Night King is scary. (laughs) Come on. They were clearly going for some kind of callback to that. I don't understand this trailer, though. Does he have, like, nine lives? Is this, like, the fountain where it just keeps flashing forward and back in time because he's a man about all time periods or whatever? And Because he keeps dying in the trailer, or we think so? We might be? I, I don't get it. How many times do I have to ask studios to please stop making King Arthur or King Arthur adjacent properties. Well, this is why Disney keeps remaking their properties, you see, because Chris Gore told me, and I just told my uh, my students and my, my teammate, <laughs> right, my, uh, my, my athletes, that, Mike, you see, they have to remake these to retain the rights. Gotta keep the license. But this is why, because... Otherwise, it goes to public domain, and then we're going to get... King Arthur is public domain. That's I why know. Anyone, yeah, that's why anyone can All make the them. Disney like, movies would yeah. be public domain. Everybody would remake them every year if they didn't remake those live-action movies. This trailer at least looked cool. I, the cinematography was nice looking. I mean, it looked cool to the giant plant beard man. I agree. I agree. That giant plant beard man is doesn't belong with the Vich, double V Vich cinematography, the Gretel and Hansel cinematography that, you know, our friends have really lauded. Like right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Eric up Weber. to that point, up to that big reveal, right. that's the, the Vich and, and Gretel and Hansel. Those they look were, cool. Look that's like what a they look like. Night yeah, movie. That's what I was into looked it. like. And then big green, right. giant, jolly green giant. It looks stupid. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I right. don't know that I'll be seeing this one. Talk about a movie that did not look stupid, that looked like a heavy watch, though, and it actually tonally worked in terms of its trailer. Never, rarely, sometimes, always from focus features. So we have a real-life telling of one woman's journey alongside her cousin from Pennsylvania to New York to handle a pregnancy she feels unprepared for. Teenage boys are the worst. Well, just boys in general. Boys are the worst. (laughs) I learned that in this trailer. I knew that from real life, though. This is a scary trailer. Yeah. It just made me uneasy. My God, and this was heavy. We're going to have to see this. It's going to platform in March, I believe. A lot of people have given this a lot of... Pre- what was it? Sundance, I think this was 92 Metascore. Big wow. hit at Sundance. Yeah, a lot. I've seen a lot of people talking about Might be about an OSP for one. us. Yeah, this one yeah. could have legs. So, I'm hopeful, but my God, what a frightening story. Because the girls will... Alone in New York City. She, uh, yeah, she's a kid, for Christ's kid. sake. They're two kids, yeah. They don't have a place to stay. And Oh, man. It just makes you think. certainly does. That's and that's, good. I guess, what the point of movies is, right? So good for that. Let's uh, let's transition now 
Last two segments here, Michael. The first one is called What We're Watching. Go ahead. This is all you, bud. Well, I also watched the UFC fight last night, Felder Hooker. I watched that whole card just about best UFC fight in a while. So the fight game is, is you pretty ordered good. both. Well, I have ESPN Plus from my brother. That's probably why I don't oh, do the just, package uh, deal. I see. Okay. So he set it up for me on Amazon because right. I could use so many devices. So my Fire Stick had the Wilder Fury. It had this. I was able to watch it uh, away from him. And I, I just tuned into this fight. I, I was like, can I watch Diamonds Are Forever yet? Can I do it yet? <laughs> I couldn't do it after the last movie. It was so bad. The, the Oh, God. The one where there's just Dr. Evil. Uh, oh, yeah. There's some. It's Austin Powers. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to be up and down on the Sean Connery pod. But I'm getting ready for it. I couldn't watch a Bond movie last night, so I watched UFC. And this was great. It was a great fight. Two guys. Oh, my God. It was just legendary stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see. They when, went the distance. When the good. fight game is at its best, there's few things that can like become such great talking points around the water cooler and just everybody can relate to. Well, this was like you have this up-and-coming Australian guy who's a big striker, and then you have this just tough-as-nails, you're-not-going-to-knock-me-out guy. So, it's, again, it's a rock-and-a-hard-place fight. Awesome. What's going to give? And nothing gave. They both beat the crap out of each other <laughs> five rounds, 25 minutes. Jesus oh, my Christ. God. But I also reviewed a uh, – I'm going to review a bunch of movies because I watched The Last Thing He Wanted, Mike. And, and this you is liked it? D. Rees, Netflix, Sundance Disaster – Call me a contrarian here, but I didn't think it was as terrible as people were saying. Am I going to give it a great grade? No. I think it's like a CC minus range for me. But there's some good stuff in here. D. Rees knows how to pull off an ending of a movie, in my opinion. Anne Hathaway's great in it. You know, Ben Affleck is strong. Willem Dafoe's a little bit miscast, I would say. And most of the major issues with the movies around the Willem Dafoe character. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see Willem Dafoe has died you know, brown mm. hair. Right. Yeah. I have. Or maybe yeah. it's his beautiful brown hair and it's still brown. <laughs> but do you see him as being like a guy at death's door? No. No. Not the way I've seen him. No. Of course not. Yeah. So there are some strong sequences in here. I really like, you know, having to think back to it. There's obviously some terrible stuff in here that's kind of goofy and on the nose that didn't really work. But I kind of like when big directors have a misstep. I, and I, we just saw Knives Out is a perfect example of this. When they respond to it, and D. Reese is a wonderful director, and I have no doubt she's going to respond. You could see her talent in this movie, is what I'm saying. She's right. super talented. I could still see it, and I, I think it's like a C movie. I didn't hate it. Right. So, and, but just going through an experience like this, I guess, is what I'm saying is it, it could really have an impact on her filmmaking and propel her to the next level. So, I'm very curious. I will watch the last thing he wanted, just out of curiosity, say kind of like you did. But I'm very curious to see what the next project she releases is. I, I am too, and it could be that poor Jean Best yeah. uh, adaptation, like we talked about on disney plus i watched timmy failure mistakes were made this is from tom mccarthy i can give this the same review that i just gave the last thing he wanted this is not a great movie but there are moments that i really liked Hmm. i mean basically this is laptop open i'm i'm into it early on by the end of the movie i'm really not paying attention because i'm writing an episode i'm I'm working on bond stuff or i'm I'm doing other stuff so it kind of lost me so i don't i don't love that fact i mean i wish the movie but it's also a me problem. At the same time, the movie ends with a speech, and I hate movies that end with speeches, especially given by a kid. Well, then do I have a movie featuring a bunch of felines you need to see? (laughs) 
right, one more little thing on Disney Plus Loop. This is another good sh- short film. Uh, it's computer animated. It's about a differently abled person. It's about basically two kids on a raft on a field trip, and one kid is not used to uh, you know working with or being friends with a differently abled person, and he's just out there and, sh- and she's having a meltdown. She's having some issues, and he has to deal with it. And I can't believe this is a like a Pixar short. Huh. It's, it was really substantive, and bravo for telling this story in 10 minutes and doing a beautiful job with it. And uh, on Disney Plus right now, loop. So there's the, I guess, the upside of having Disney Plus, and they are putting out still new content, but it's impactful, even if it's kind of underseen at this point. I love all the short film stuff. Yeah. I watched the short circuit. It was like 16 short films. I love that. It's always and, interesting to me to see yeah. where the streaming giants land as far as niche goes, because you know Netflix wasn't made with the idea of being the home of the mid-budget movie or dominating rom-coms, but that's kind of been a, a side effect of what's happened. They're doing a ton of short stuff. I think they're Maybe thinking Disney about Disney Plus does the shorts, yeah. loving YouTube level, there you, go. you know, uh, or size Length things. things, yeah. You know, they have, like, a ton, of, like, they have these fork, forky shorts, you know, from, oh, uh, oh, from Toy, Toy Story, Story 4. 4. Yeah. They're all, like, two minutes long. They just put a Bo Peep one out. Huh. They're doing a ton of that. Interesting. Well, maybe that's where Disney, that's the market that Disney Plus can uh, can dominate as well as every other aspect of our lives. Perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I watched a couple things on Amazon Prime as well. Troop Zero. Mike, this is a happy Girl Scout movie with Viola Davis, Allison Jammy, Jammy or yeah. Janney, and Jim Gaffigan, and that's the problem. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's a problem because we're so much more interested in the adult side characters uh, than the kid characters who the who are the main characters who have everything to do with the plot. So you you care about the adult characters, you don't know the kid child characters, and you don't care what happens, even though there's a great ending. Love the ending. Bert and Birdie, these two directors, yes. have a ton of talent. I'm really excited to see what they, they do next. I'll give this movie a B- minus for some of that. And there's some good scenes. Remember but. Beverly Hills Troop, whatever, whatever, with Shirley... Was it Shirley MacLaine? I can't remember. Uh, the, no. Shirley MacLaine. God damn it. All right. Going to need a seamless editor here. Yeah, so I wasn't even close. Troop Beverly Hills with Shelley Long, not oh. Shirley MacLaine. You Is never that saw Disney that? Channel from your childhood? Not it mine. might have been. I don't know if it was Disney. It might have been Disney, but I... I Seeing these previews just kept reminding me of that movie. Okay. That's a long way to go for a a story that had no payoff whatsoever. But you make it out like it it came out yesterday. No, 1989. (laughs) Right. That's the issue here, folks. (laughs) Look, I watched a terrible movie, Francis Ferguson. This was gross. It was frustrating. It seemed like they, they went for a character study on this teacher who screws a student. Oh, Jesus Christ. But it's not Notes on a Scandal with Kate Blanchett and, uh, and and all the great actors who were involved there. The cast isn't terrible. I just think this is a complete waste of time, and it doesn't get its subject. It, it's Those gross. movies are always difficult for us to watch objectively, too, anyway. Especially I mean, when I, I'm putting it up against um, the next movie I reviewed, which is System Crasher. Yeah. This is on Netflix right now. It just came out this weekend. I watched. I ended up watching this instead of going to the movies to the lodge, essentially. Oh, okay. This is one of the most powerful movie watches I've had in a long time. Awesome. I've given this movie a B plus 89. Wow. Heroic characters abound, Mike, because these are all saints caring for these kids who are literally crashing the foster care system in Germany because they're running away, because they're problem children, because they were traumatized as younger kids. They, they What an 
empathic story this is to take something Mike like Frey's a brigade. short-term 12 type deal absolutely short-term 12 but focused on a singular character this young actress is going to be a star she's absolutely going to be a star because she's not one of those characters and yet she's pulling this off in major ways why didn't i write her name down <laughs> hold on another seamless edit coming helena zangle <laughs> that for you? handled that beautifully she's going to be in news of the world that we just talked about with daniel howitt on that last oscars episode she's going to be next to tom hanks that's a great i mean a b plus that's like Oscars territory. This type movie stuff. is effing awesome, and it's scary, and it, it made me feel emotions, Michael. But look, th- this director, Noral, Nora Fingscheit, sorry, that didn't sound <laughs> like it should have sounded, I'm guessing. Sandra Bullock's doing her next movie with, huh. with this director, writer-director. So this is extreme talent on display. Reminded me of Run, Lola, Run. Oh, is wow. like a breakthrough kind of movie? Obviously, they're not running as much, mm-hmm. but this kid does run away a lot, and they, you get those scenes that are like a bit of an homage. Mike, this movie was incredible. Incredible performances all around. It's my number two best international film last year on my current list. It was nominated from Germany as a selection. It did not get picked. I don't know why. Wow. All right. Definitely go seek that one out. Is this so? It's not a Netflix original then. If it's, it... No, but they okay. bought the rights. Right. Right. It's right. The first yeah, time it's available to Americans. Interesting. All right. Netflix. Definitely go seek out System Crash. And then got a few more, Mike. Last Christmas, I watched it. The Eric Weber special. Eric Weber special. They didn't play my favorite George Michael song, but they play a bunch of other great George... <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's no longer my favorite George Michael song, so I can give the movie plus points. But obviously, they play Last Christmas like four times, so they're leaning oh, into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the movie was a surprising rom-com, though, from Paul Fagg. I mean, you got you got a good cast. I really like these characters, and Henry Golding and uh, Daenerys Targaryen falling in love. Who doesn't oh, want that? Bitch, don't do that. I like this Show's movie. over. <laughs> Two more. Ash is purest white on Amazon Prime. This is somehow more boring than the title threatened it would be. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Look, a few scenes are incredible. And people love this movie. This is in top five lists, top ten lists. I had to watch this. There's enough filmmaking craft on display that I get why, if you like a disciplined story, you really love th- this movie. But I struggled with this. It was yeah. hard to pay attention to. I, like, I give it a begrudging b minus. I don't like stories like this where it looks like somebody should be dead and they're not dead. I that I have that's a bit no melodramatic. It's a bit you're... melodramatic for me. I also don't love huge time jumps in a story. Like there's like a ten year time jump. What does then... that mean? He should be dead, but he's not. Dead. What he looks like, he should. There's be dead. no way he should have survived that fight. And it, there's a great scene. There's a couple great scenes in this movie. Great. And then there's a lot of boring shit in between. I have no idea what this movie is about, and all you've given me is, like, pieces of the plot. It's about gangsters. Okay. Uh, Chinese gangsters. And essentially, there's two that are in love. And she is kind of the power behind the throne. He's running this group of small-time gangsters. They're growing. They grow too big. They get kind of knocked off. And they both go their separate ways for various reasons. So when you say should have died but didn't, this is a fictional movie and it's unbelievable that he survived? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. That's where I'm at. Fair enough. Ash is purest white. Kind of boring. Mike, (laughs) David Crosby, Remember My Name. This is just uh, on Stars now. I watched this. Then I listened to the Awards Chatter episode, which I was delaying until I saw the movie, where basically Scott Feinberg throws David Crosby out. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't get over the whole scenario. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a practice in how to stay professional. I thought Scott that it handled a very awkward situation very very professionally. Absolutely. And look, I mean, if I had an issue with how Scott handled it, I probably just wouldn't have said something. Right. Because we're like worshiping <laughs> right. at, the, at his cult. But I thought he handled yeah, it. No, truly. Right? I think he did I, a This great guy job. lashed out. And it's really sad after you watch the movie. And Scott's still pubbing the movie, too. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's class personified. He's still pub. But you, you can't not like the movie. It's undeniably a good documentary. That's what was so bizarre about the interview is that this guy clearly has such a fascinating story to tell. And Cameron Crowe, who basically was the interviewer during in the documentary, and I think he's a producer on there too, he's like, this was a great 40 minutes of interviewing right. with, with Scott Feinberg, and I don't understand why David Crosby went off the deep end on it. I'm, it's a, the whole thing is quite bizarre. The only thing I can think of is... When you get to that level of fame that you've been for decades, right. if some one thing minor inconvenience rubs you the wrong way on the wrong day, I could see you just saying, screw it. You're always in the spotlight, so who cares how you react anyway? So you're just going to go on with your day and move on. So maybe it was just one of those wrong place, wrong time type deals. Don't become David Crosby, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> All right, what were you watching? I took too long. Uh, just a lot of YouTube stuff. The only thing I specifically wanted to give a shout out to is you're going to hate this, um, but... For someone like me who doesn't watch everything but wants to keep up with the plots of things as they happen. I hate this. I know you. <laughs> There's two out there that I want to make special men mention of. Cinematica and uh, the Man of Recaps. He Man of Recaps boils down these seasons of these shows to like these six or seven minute videos mm -hmm. and shows clips of the shows as they go on. I was thinking of you the entire time how you would just despise it. I do. I, I despise it. I loved it. I caught up completely on The Walking Dead. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, completely. you didn't. There it is not, does not count. There is not a thing. You don't know shit. I'm not going to no. go around saying I watched The Walking Dead, but I know what happens at least. I know where they are with the mid-season premiere premiering actually tonight, as a matter of fact, late on Sunday night, which I may watch now maybe, which I wouldn't have otherwise because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't want to dive in. I hope you do watch it, and I hope you realize <laughs> about the 10, you know, the 100 different little things that you don't get. And then it haunts you. What if I'm all caught up, though, and I know everything? You do not. <laughs> it, no, this is terrifying. I've only watched a couple of shows I know I'm not going to take the time to watch. Like Arrow, I watched a couple of. Walking Dead, I watched a couple of. The only thing I watched that I I probably shouldn't have so far is the Better Call Saul recaps. I watched oh, all of those. Don't do that. I, I did already. But I'm thinking about doing The Mandalorian, too just to know what happens because I'm probably not going to buy Disney Plus anytime soon. But Yeah, but if you did buy Disney Plus, you would have 10 hours where seven and a half are really fun. It's not even 10 hours. It's like five hours and four and a half are really fun. You, you're, you're missing out on those four and a half hours of fun. You being so passionately against this is making me want to watch it more because uh, I think this is a fun shtick. <laughs> I don't like this. So if you're like me, and you don't want to dive into everything, but you want to keep up with what's happening. No, it's not a way. It's not going to fill you in, as Mike says, on every little thing. But if you just want to follow the major plot line, I wanted to give those two shines. I hard disagree with those shines. And this guy might be a great YouTube content creator. I, you, we might love him at some point, but I disagree. In principle, with this endeavor. Maybe I'll reach out to him, see if we can have him on, have you and him fight. But those are the those. Are I the wonder two. how many people are going to listen to me review <laughs> 10 movies over 20 minutes and then listen to you review one YouTube thing in three minutes and watch your thing. Well, 
that's the climate, man, right? Like, that's why that guy has, he's got like 100,000 plus subscribers because. No, I'm it, just transparently jealous and angry and bitter. I'm life. jealous that you have the time to watch these things, and I wish I did. And not that I have time because I'm so busy. It's just that I have ADD or something. I can't do it. I don't know what you have, but I think <laughs> you got to get watching Bond movies, so I'm I not going to break your balls. I do have to get watching those. Let's end with some audience interaction, Michael. This week's Six Degrees of MMO Challenge was Anya Taylor-Joy to Noah Centineo by way of going through a James Bond a lot of great efficiency award winners this week and a lot of great ones that we couldn't mention. Again, we're going to be sticklers to the format. You had to go through James Bond. But let's start off with Paul Britter at Brutal Tripe, spelled out there like it should be. Noah Centineo in Charlie's Angels with Patrick Stewart. Stewart in Death Train with Pierce Brosnan. There's your Bond, who's in the world's end with the voice of Bill Nye, who's in Emma with Anya Taylor-Joy. Bing, bang, boom. Death Train. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I know what Patrick that is. Patrick Stewart. Oh, all right. Death train. <laughs> Safine, which is Hayden underscore Petty's new character name for this month, apparently. <laughs> uh, Centineo with Jimon Hansu. Jimon Hansu? Am I close? I think it's Jimon Hansu. Jimon Hansu, uh, who was in Charlie's Angels. Hansu was with Chris Evans in Captain Marvel. Evans was with Daniel Craig in Knives Out. Daniel Craig was with Toby Jones in Infamous. Toby joins with Anya Taylor-Joy in Morgan. Audrey Ratajack at Audrey underscore Ratajack, R-A-T-A, Jack. Noah Centineo was on The Fosters with Danny Nucci, who was in Titanic with Kate Winslet, who was in A Kid in King Arthur's Court with Daniel Craig, who hosted SNL where a cast member is Keenan Thompson, who was a voice in in the Playmobil movie that starred Anya Taylor-Joy. Why did Keenan do the Playmobil movie? <laughs> Robert Doc, 1984. Robert Doherty. Centineo was in Charlie's Angels with Patrick Stewart, who's in Picard with Allison Pill, who's in Snowpiercer with Chris Evans, who's in Knives Out with Daniel Craig, who's in Sylvia with Gwyneth Paltrow, who's in 1996 Emma in the same role that Anya Taylor-Joy plays nice. in 2020's Emma. Back-to-back like Emma's that. there from Robert Doherty. Yeah. Playing the game old school, there as he go. always is. We got a couple from Swamp Thing, Wojcik Weischer, the first one is taylor joy is in the new mutants with Maisie williams who forms a strong bond (laughs) with sophie turner on the set of game of thrones that is but also uh i guess she's in x-men apocalypse i've heard this before from a fellow (laughs) co-host and then i actually watched the movie i didn't watch a youtube cut up of the movie how dare you Anyway, X-Men Apocalypse also has Lana Condor, who's into all the boys, two and one, with Noah Centineo. Heartthrob Noah Centineo, <laughs> dominating Netflix in those All the Boys movies. Second one from Voicheck here, Anya Taylor-Joy was in Vampire Academy with Zoe Dutch, who starred in video clip for the song Perfect by Ed Sheeran, who made a very Bond-esque music video for South of the Border, starring Camelia Cabello, a music video or a clip in the music video for Cabello's famous song Havana featured Noah Centineo himself. So he connected to video clips. Now you're getting something that you like. Right. And then he also did like a, a, a submission that I liked the first time. And that song is like an earworm that Havana saw. Havana, na, na, na. It's on a billion commercials. I, I can't know. escape it. I wouldn't know. Because I don't watch commercials. That's true. I watch movies only. Maybe that's why I watch all these clip shows, because I'm too busy watching commercials and you avoid those You're things. programmed. Uh. That's exactly probably why. Uh. It's... Perhaps 100% the reason why. (laughs) 
Bill Bradsky <laughs> at Bill Bradsky 2620 said Anya Taylor Joy was in Playmobil the movie. Why is everybody referencing this? With Daniel Radcliffe, who played Rex Dasher, a James Bond esque character. And a similar toy figurine was voiced by Elizabeth Banks in the Lego movie. Because there's toys and then there's toys. We have had more people in this episode referencing Playmobil. So there's a Playmobil toy. I'm so confused. Then watched the actual Playmobil movie. Oh, so Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, I get it now. Playmobil is about toys. Yes. It's like Toy Story 5. But way less successful. (laughs) All right. Elizabeth Banks, Lego movie. Banks was in Charlie's Angels with Centineo. I take offense to this many people referencing Playmobil as if they've seen Playmobil. But those were fairly efficient for a one, yes, two, three. Yes, they were. The David Lynch Award extraordinaire goes to Nolan Roberts. Nolan Roberts, 17. Is He's won handle. so many of these now. He has to get a new handle. <laughs> Noah Centineo is in Charlie's Angels, directed by Elizabeth Banks, who was in Wet Hot American Summer with H. John Benjamin, best known for his voice performance as Sterling Archer, who is obviously a satirical take on James Bond. One of the best. Who at one point worked with Don Amigos in the Johnny Karate Super Awesome Musical Explosion Show, <laughs> starring Andy Dwyer, who was in the lead singer of Mouse Rat, which mostly covered songs by Dave Matthews, whose music is played in Lady Bird, starring Saoirse Ronan, who was in Atonement with James McAvoy, who was in Split with Anya Taylor-Joy. I that love is... Parks and Rec so much. Yes, outstanding job. Andy Dwyer <laughs> in a fic- fictional thing, fictitious thing, in the middle of all that. That's wonderful. And then, of course, Dave Matthews connected to Lady Bird just makes us all the more happy alright it's time for your novel of the week from of course Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop he says I'll see your James Bond and raise you every goddamn James Bond <laughs> even Lazenby and no 007 movies or going through Desmond Llewellyn okay all right. Well, basically, it goes No Centineo is cast as He Man in the new Masters of the Universe. Naturally. In the original He Man cartoon, Alan Oppenheimer was the voice of Skeletor. Nah. Oppenheimer also voiced Old Timer in Toy Story 4 alongside Timothy Dalton, who was a Bond and the first Bond in this uh, write up. Who voiced Mr. Pricklepants? <laughs> <laughs> of course, Toy Story 4 there. Dalton was in Hot. Oh, that was Toy Story 3? Both? I think. Yeah, he was in both. Anyway, Brosnan was in Salvation. Bo- I'm still on Dalton. Dor- Dalton was in Hot Fuzz with Martin Freeman, who was in At the World's End or The World's End with Pierce Brosnan. Who's Bond number two? I will get through this. <laughs> Brosnan was in Salvation Boulevard with Ciaran Hines, who was in Munich with Daniel Craig, Bond three. Craig was in Defiance with. Tomas Arana, who was in The Hunt for Red October with Sean Connery, Bond 4. Sean Connery was in uh, something with Tim Curry. (laughs) They were in The Hunt for Red October together. okay. Tim Curry is in Four Dogs Playing Poker with George Lazenby. That's a painting, not a movie. Four Dogs Playing Poker? Yeah. Oh, but it has to be a movie here. I'm sure it is, but I just made a joke. Bond 5. I don't laugh at your jokes when I'm mid... <laughs> Lazenby was in Gettysburg with W. Moore Shepard, who was in The Sea Wolves with Roger Moore. That's Bond 6. Moore was in Agent Crush with, Crush with Bar- Brian Cox, who was in Morgan with Anya Taylor Joy. My God. That was painful. 
I agree. That was painful. To but a great job. A great job by Hard Dark to read. Nook. Awesome job there. The winner this week, as we come to the close of the show here, Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson. Anya Taylor-Joy has a double-barreled name, as does Joseph Gordon. I love that. Who was in Halloween H2O, which was the seventh in the series. Pandering to us, we love it. The seventh Bond film was Diamonds Are Forever. My next rewatch. Featuring Blofeld, who was lampooned by <laughs> Dr. Evil, played by Mike Myers. I agree. Who is a man of many faces. Men, man E Faces is a character in He-Man who is soon to be played by Noah Centineo. <laughs> he wrote great copy within great that job. one. That's phenomenal. It was like ten, every connection I loved there. Mark Burgundy taking the crown this week. Congratulations, you are the winner of all things bragging rights for Six Degrees of MMO related. What is the throne? I remember it was a heart-shaped throne for Valentine's Day. It's made of old French fries. Right, that's right. Seagulls the seagulls are, are circling. circling. Yes. For yes. The, 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 the lighthouse. Uh-huh. There. I think this is the last week we have for the, the French fry bread because it was uh, just the timing thing. So. so obviously then the seagulls grab the throne right. and take it into the sky. Because <laughs> well, we have to do that every time. And two of us going to space with this bed. <laughs> they run into one of the spaceships from the Sean Connery James Bonds. Yes. Who just opens its mouth and swallows it whole, <laughs> takes it back to its secret volcano volcano lair, and you wind up being in an Austin Powers movie, but it's actually a James Bond movie. Mwah. Perfect. What's the Six Degrees Challenge for next week, Mike? We agreed on this. We're going to go from Ben Schwartz who is uh, the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, who is going to be in that Billy Crystal movie that mm-hmm. we'll probably watch on VOD this week, or Mike will watch a three-minute long video on YouTube <laughs> describing its whole entire plot. I'm going to break... I'm mad Go at on. you. I'm mad at you. I'm holding a grudge. Ben Schwartz to Tyson Fury, who's been on the WWE. He's going to be everywhere. So you yes. might be able to... He might be attached to star in a movie. You might by, be able to by get... By the time this comes out, yeah. Ben Schwartz to t- new heavyweight champ Tyson Fury. Do your worst. We'll have a new throne to debut next week as well. So that is going to do it for this Six Degrees of MMO Challenge for this episode of MMO Weekly as well. I didn't even get to my rant about Democrats, but basically there's a lot of old white Democrats out there. They all suck. They're all set in their ways, and they use faulty arguments. That's all you've been watching, though. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to, like, Mm -hmm. when reality sucks, follow our slogan. People need to write me in. To this presidential election. <laughs> Let me run things. I'll get this shit figured out two, three weeks, Max. I would And then I'll gracefully step aside. I would have more faith in you <laughs> than some people. Some people. That's all I'll say. All right, guys. We want to hear your six degrees of MMO entries as well as any comments, questions, concerns that you have about anything covered in this MMO weekly episode or anything else we do here in the MMO empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. At MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on your iPhone, hey, That would be awfully sweet of you. Michael, what is coming next for the good people here, and what are some words of wisdom to end or start their week on? Part three of our 2020 year in preview where we pick, and we do so 100% accurately, I might add. Yeah, you can place your bets. We're going to pick all of next year's Oscar winners. Damn right. On the next episode mm-hmm. of MMO. That's all I have to say right now. Yeah. We're going to do a Bond episode. We're doing you a favor, yeah. dear listener, by letting you know what's going to happen. Much mm-hmm. like if you were to say not have time to watch a full show, you get the clips of it to get the basic premise so of what's happening. Because we're essentially a <laughs> compilation of clips 
of next year's Oscars. Yeah, on the next and episode. we're just as accurate in the retelling of what's going to happen. I guess it's wise to fuse these two, whatever, just, you know, giant forces of nature against one another. <laughs> you, me, both name the same thing, which is confusing to people around this And trophy. Dupree. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> around an Oscar, oh, okay. but I guess... Dupree, because I said you and me, right. you have to make a reference to a mid 2000s movie. Ah, you're getting it? <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness, and there will be no stuffiness to be had on the next episode when we tell you who's winning the 2020 2021 Academy Awards. That's right. We will see you then. See you.